Section 14 of the Roosevelt-Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Roosevelt-Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission by Cândido Rondon, translated by R. G. Wrighty and Edwin Murray. Third Lecture, Part 1 the work dealt with in our preceding lectures and which was carried out by the roosevelt rondon scientific expedition in the river papagaio and in the rivers formerly known under the names of duvida and castanha must be considered as an integral part of the series of geographical explorations which resulted in the construction of the telegraph line projected and caused to be constructed by the government under president pena to connect Cuiabá and Santo Antônio do Madeira. It is therefore but natural that the exposition of the results of this work be followed up with another, specially devoted to presenting the résumé formed by the combination of all these explorations. In this way alone shall we possess all the elements required in order to be able to form an idea of the importance of the most extensive region and of the numerous population of the interior of our country which lay unknown and deserted without supporting us with the cooperation of their resources and of their forces and without receiving the benefits of our industry and our civilization besides this we shall be in a position to see certain of our countrymen almost devoid of other resources beyond their own courage perform the same feats which we admire and praise when performed by men of other ages and of other countries were it given to me to expect to impress upon the minds of my audience any strong and lasting impression with my words that which i would most desire to produce at the present moment would be to make it quite clear that the campaign of discredit maintained in this country and abroad against the character and the nature of the brazilian people is nothing short of a monstrous heap of falsehood and of injustice that must be opposed and destroyed before it manages to complete the nefarious task of precipitating the soul of the nation into a dim and vile sorrow similar to that which galled the latter days of the great portuguese in this lecture i shall consequently make a summary exposition of the work carried out by the commission of the telegraph and strategic lines from mato grosso to amazonas during the years that follow that of nineteen o nine as far as the others are concerned inasmuch as their results were already published in nineteen eleven in this city and in sao paulo i shall simply recall them very rapidly it is a known fact that according to the route traced out for the audacious enterprise of establishing telegraphic communications between the seat of the government of the republic and the most distant regions of the far northwest of the territory of our country the commission which was created to carry it into execution was obliged to operate to an enormous extent in unknown territory where no other resources were to be obtained beyond those proper to the uncultured nature of our forests 
and where no other dwellers were to be found except the inhabitants of the Indian villages who had settled there since times immemorial. The commission was formed in 1907, and in that same year it began its field work by commencing simultaneously the works of the construction of the branch line from San Luis de Cáceres to the town of Mato Grosso, these of the main line starting from Cuiabá towards Guia, Brotas, Rosário, and Diamantino, and those of the reconnaissance of the forests of the Parecis, which were made necessary in order to discover the direction to be followed, so as to reach the banks of the Juruena, where the forests continued to be victoriously defended by the inflexible warriors of the Nyambiquara nation. In the following year, having completed the construction of the branch line to the town of Mato Grosso, and proceeding with the work of the main line from Diamantino to the highlands of the Parecis, the work of reconnoitring the forests was continued with the idea of pushing it on as far as the Madeira. However, as certain difficulties arose, which could not be foreseen by the party entrusted with the construction, the pioneers who had pushed on beyond the Juruena in carrying on their reconnaissance were only able to reach the place where a formidable excavation produced by the action of the current of numerous rivers interrupts the continuity of the plateau and causes to appear the geographical feature which we identified with that which the portuguese cartographers perhaps meant to indicate under the name of serra do norte after reorganizing the services of transportation and of supplies for which the construction had been paralyzed in nineteen o nine we again took up the road opened in the preceding years across the dominions of the parecis and of the nyambiquaras and crossing the serra do norte we proceeded on a route almost invariably from northwest until we came out at the Madeira, after a continuous march of two hundred thirty-seven days, having traveled a thousand two hundred ninety-seven kilometers in the sense of the main route, without taking into account two hundred forty kilometers of several by-routes and eight hundred sixty-six of fluvial navigation. The general outline of the main line being thus ascertained the work of construction proceeded until towards the end of nineteen fourteen and the inauguration of the traffic along the portion last completed took place on the first day of the current year nineteen fifteen thus the carrying out of the great scheme proposed and started by president pena became dependent upon the continued efforts of the administrations of dr nilo Pessanha, of Marshal Hermes da Fonseca, and of Dr. Venceslau Braz, all of whom showed their determination to maintain them in due correspondence with the important interests of the nation, economical as well as political and social, connected with the destinies of that enterprise. In its more general outlines, this was the routine followed by the work of the commission of the telegraph lines from Mato Grosso to Amazonas, as far as the construction is concerned. However, it could not be carried to an end without the expenditure of trebled efforts demanded by the necessity under which we were placed to overcome, in the course of an endless struggle, 
the ever-recurring difficulties proper to the uncouth and wild nature of the region in which we had to operate. Of all that we required for our work, the region could only supply us with lumber. The remaining necessities, from tools to the most simple and urgent provisions, had to be brought from elsewhere. If we add to these the telegraph material proper, such as zinc wire, insulators, metal brackets, and accessory hardware, which we could only obtain from abroad, we shall have an idea of the enormous amount of extremely heavy packages for which we had to provide the necessary means of transportation into the interior of the forests with the most careful and diligent attention. But, in this regard, the ever-increasing distances to be covered, the complexity of the equipment of a variety of systems to be utilized, some for river navigation, others for overland transportation, and above all, the absence of pasture lands and the bad quality of the grass on the Parecis plateau, the fatigue, the loss of energy and the sicknesses which played havoc with the pack animals, destroying whole troops of mules and of bullocks, everything, in short, seemed to combine in a conspiracy to bring about the failure of the measures which we had adopted as the result of the surest forethought based upon long experience. In order to partly obviate these great difficulties, we divided the duties of the construction between two parties. One was already then operating since 1907 from Corumbá, towards the interior of the forest. The other, created in 1910, was destined to start from Santo Antonio do Madeira, and to follow towards the first until they should effect their meeting. Thus, the operations could proceed and develop more freely, not only because greater advantage could be taken of the efforts of a more numerous personnel, but also on account of the fact that the roads and the means of supplies of each party were independent of those of the other. Our party, constituted with the title of North Section, and successively placed under the leadership of the then Major Gomes de Castro, of Captain Nestor Cezefredo, of Lieutenant Sebastião Pinto, of Captain Costa Pinheiro, and of Lieutenant Mario Cardoso Barata, obtained supplies from Manaus, through the Madeira and the Jamari. The other party, called South Section, utilized the navigation facilities on the Paraguay as far as São Luís de Cáceres. Thence, the transportation proceeded, and even now does proceed, up the Sepotuba, as far as this river can be navigated by launches and small craft, and where we opened up, in 1908, the so-called port of Tapirapuã, situated 91 kilometers above another port called Dusbugris. From the latter, the journey overland is commenced along a road which winds up the slopes of the Serra dos Parecis, enters the plateau, and continues in the direction of Aldeia Queimada, whence it throws off different branches to Juruena, Ucherichi, and other points of the telegraph line. From Juruena onwards, the same way, Picadão, cut out for the passage of the line, serves as a road for the pack animals employed in the service of the supplies and for travelers. The south section suffered the greatest difficulties from the fact that it had to depend for its supplies upon the journey across this road. 
the first was the enormous distance which had to be covered from tapirapuan to aldeia queimada eighty kilometers from the said aldeia to uchalichi some two hundred and to juruena two hundred seventy two besides for each convoy these distances must be reckoned twofold owing to the return march then we have the lack of pasture to which i have already referred before completing one march already the greater part of the beasts were knocked up and of the small number that managed to withstand the fatigue and the bad quality of the fodder we could at the most expect them to do a second march if they did not die they had to remain inactive for months and months in the pastures to restore their forces at the cost of much care and heavy expense two measures were adopted by us in order to remove such important difficulties one of immediate effect and the other longer in producing its results but certainly of a greater bearing on the development of those wilds by new elements of our civilization which even now are already seeking them out and will not fail to fill them shortly with agricultural establishments and cattle farms besides other centres destined to the extraction of the resources of forests and mineral wealth which they contain in abundance the measures to which we have lastly alluded consists in modifying the conditions of the prairies so as to adapt them to the development of the different species of forage plants of which we found even there some good varieties and to develop same only required to be freed from the wild vegetation which smothered it we took with us some seeds of other kinds which quickly sprung up and are growing very well as a necessary complement to this measure we started plantations of cereals fruit trees and vegetables combining with the same rearing of poultry and cattle at all the telegraph stations and other places specially selected for the purpose the measure of an immediate effect to which we referred above consisted in the employment of motor wagons for transportation from porto dos bugres to charichi this was the route which presented the greatest disadvantages for pack animals still it was also not adaptable to the transit of those vehicles because every now and again the ground presented at intervals large areas of sand in which the wheels of the machines interned themselves and went on skidding so that they could not go ahead a young and studious officer of our army lieutenant emmanuel silvestre do amarante set to work to solve this difficulty and was fortunate enough to quickly discover a completely new device to obviate this it was due to his invention that the three motor cars of the telegraph lines commission were able to transit on the roads of the planalto dos parecis carrying cargo equal to the maximum weight for which they had been constructed but all these efforts only succeeded in overcoming some of the difficulties which cropped up at every step to hinder the work of the south section amongst others one presented itself to us which could have had its effects annulled by using wireless telegraphy this difficulty arose from the fact that our camps were getting further and further away from the city of san luis de caceres the principal base for our purveying which services would have greatly improved if we could have got into direct communication from the sertão with our purveyors 
We therefore had recourse to radio telegraphy, installing a station in Cáceres and taking along with us another field equipment mounted on a wagon. For some time this installation worked very satisfactorily, but an important part of the instruments had been broken, and as the spare piece would have to be obtained from the manufacturer in Germany, we had no further opportunity to use this installation inasmuch as the progress of our work had already taken us away from the dependency of San Luis de Cáceres. In order to understand how it was possible for us to get out of this dependency, we were obliged to detail a little further the different phases through which the construction of the line passed, up to the date of my return to the Sertão, because, as you know, I was attacked with serious illness at the end of the great reconnaissance of 1909, and which detained me in Rio de Janeiro for more than a year. From 1907 to the beginning of 1910, under the direction of Major Marciano de Oliveira Ávila, seconded by Captain Custódio de Sena Braga, the work had advanced from Cuiabá to a little beyond Ucharichi, in a total distance of 505 kilometers, in which, besides the stations, the names of which I have already mentioned, Parecis, Ponte de Pedra, and Barão de Capanema, were also established. During the year of 1910, under Lieutenant Franco Ferreira, the construction reached the Juruena, with a distance of 101 kilometers, counted from the previous station. At this point, the construction stopped for a period of one year, due to the violent epidemic of beriberi, which attacked that officer, Lieutenant Cândido Cardoso, many soldiers and civilians, and caused some deaths. In July of the following year, Lieutenant Nicolau Bueno Horta Barbosa, assisted by Cadet Tito de Barros, recommenced the work up to a point beyond the Juruena, but soon afterwards they were surprised in the woods by a number of Nyambiquara warriors who shot at and seriously wounded them with their arrows. Both, however, recovered from their wounds, thanks to the care and nursing of Dr. Murilo de Campos, the physician to the commission. In order to substitute the wounded officers, Lieutenant Julio Caetano Horta Barbosa, and Boanerges Lopes de Souza left immediately to take charge of the work, and they took the line to Nhambiquaras and to Vilhena with a total development of 139 kilometers counting from Juruena, or 730 from Cuiabá. We had thus arrived at the Campos de Comemoração de Floriano, beyond the Serra do Norte, always following the route surveyed by the 1907-1909 expeditions. Now, we had to proceed towards Campos dos Palmares and Maria Molina, which, according to that route, the line should reach by scarcely two tangents, but the first of these presented, in view of the situation in which we found ourselves, depending on transport by mules and bullocks, the grave inconvenience of carrying the line through the woods of the valley of the Rio Tenente Marques de Souza, or Ananais, as we still called it. Such a great inconvenience might perhaps be removed by the discovery of new camps analogous to those of Maria de Molina, where there is excellent pasture of Capingordura, Mimoso Agreste, Milhão Praíba, and Sapé. The reasons for hoping for such a discovery were due to the fact that these camps are the outcome of the destruction of large stretches of primitive forests set on fire by the Yambiquaras 
in preparing the ground for their plantations. Now, the region into which we had penetrated from the Juruena is all infested with Indians, who are distributed in groups of distinct denominations, such as the Nenes, Yayas, Navaites, Tagananis, Tawites, and others, each one occupying its distinct territory in the valleys of the different rivers and streams. Therefore, it was very natural that, in the interior of all those forests, many other groups of the same nature and origin would exist, and to which we gave the generic name of Campos Indígenas. I therefore decided to proceed on new explorations, in the hope of modifying the 1909 route in the sense which I now mention. End of section 14